We're going to go through the main stories in this morning's newspapers. And with me on the panel this morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I have to say, uh, Fergus Finlay, CEO of the children's charity Bernardo's, Nora Owen, former Minister for Justice and, of course, formerly a Fine Gael TD, and Eamon Delaney, the author and founder of Hibernia Forum. Good morning to you all. Morning, Nora, you're, you're taking particular interest in the Fine Gael navel-gazing in the papers this Stop morning. There's, there's, there's a certain amount of Groundhog Day, too, you know, when you get into a, a leadership thing, because I was there when the first push against John Bruton and then he survived that and then he he left and Michael Noonan took over and then we had a disastrous election and Michael Noonan had to resign. So there's all sorts of experiences of how leadership thing like this can lead to outcomes that you don't always expect. Mm. So so I am watching it. I, I think the, we have to face the reality that I think the day, end of days are numbered. Uh, I was looking at the timing and how the election process has to go and if people are willing to let him go to do the shamrock then we're talking about the, the nearest timeline he can offer after shamrock is about four weeks. But you can go over and tell Donald Trump what it's like to be a lame duck leader. You <laughs> <laughs> don't have to tell Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows. <laughs> he's not even a hundred days in there and he's already trying to have, well, we have sessions to say how good he has done for the first 40 days or something. We will come to that. We'll come to the machinations of Fine Gael and their internal politics in a while. But let's go to the papers to begin. The Sunday Business Post is the first to hand. The end is nigh. They've resisted the urge for going. The end is nigh. But well done, them. Uh, the end is nigh. Uh, Varadkar, Kenny situation, distracting and destabilising. Taoiseach facing backbench rebellion this week. Coveney warns against people laying down ultimatums. The Fine Gael leadership hopeful Leo Varadkar has heaped pressure on Enda Kenny to quit, accusing the Taoiseach of creating a distracting and destabilising situation by failing to outline a timeline for its departure. Uh, the Sunday Business Post understands between 50 and 20 TDs and senators are prepared to back a motion of no confidence in Mr Kenny, Pat Deering to table the motion unless the Taoiseach makes his intentions known. Uh, they're top story on the paper is 20 guard the miscarriage of justice cases taken against the state. A Belfast based human rights law firm has been instructed to pursue more than 20 miscarriage of justice cases that allege guard the wrongdoing failure or negligence in cases ranging from fraud to murder. KRW Law which is led by solicitor Kevin Winters has taken on all these cases in the last year. Mr Winters telling the paper what happened to Sergeant Morris McCabe did not happen in isolation. There is always a context. There is evidence of of ingrained systemic human rights failures within the justice system. Uh, the Sunday Times, well, their front page picture is of Leo Varadkar uh, holding up his hands. I don't know whether he's weighing up his options there or not. Is that what that <laughs> photograph is supposed to uh, is signify? No, it looks like he's saying, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what he's saying formally. <laughs> yeah. uh, Varadkar and Coveney split on leadership is their headline. Simon Coveney is called on a group of up to a dozen Fine Gael backbenchers to abandon plans for a no-confidence motion in Enda Kenny and allow the Taoiseach announce a resignation timeline on his own terms. Uh, bottom page of the uh, bottom of the page is a story that on another day we probably spent about 20 minutes talking about Taoiseach and Fitzgerald broke email protocol uh, the same type of scandal that brought down poor old Hillary Clinton Enda Kenny and Francis Fitzgerald used their personal email accounts for sensitive government related business although both denied doing so last year Kenny has used his oh, he's been reduced to Kenny in this article Kenny has been redu- has been used his personal Gmail for government related business at least 161 times since he became 
Taoiseach in 2011, according to records released under FOI. Some 23 messages were team, deemed too sensitive to be released, and they were still on the Gmail. Uh, um, on the side panel, Gar the boss left McCabe in dark. The Gar the commissioner, Noreen O'Sullivan, was told Tusla had referred an allegation of child sex abuse concerning the whistleblower Morris McCabe to the force in 2011, but chose not to inform the sergeant even after it was established that the allegation was false. At the Sunday Independent poll, Radker faces a dogfight for power. Shock as Coveney closes in on the front runner. Voters open to third candidate for Fine Gael leader. Fianna Fáil surged to 33% and best showing since crash. High powered push to force into Kenny out. I'm breathless, never mind the paper in that headline that's trying to get people excited in what's happening the in Fine Gael. That's it. Yeah, we'll, wrap it all, yes. we'll wrap it up. We'll just play music. Um, on the inside, the Tusla files McCabe told his phone was tapped and this is detail uh, that we'll go through in just a moment. Uh, It's the protected disclosure that he made to Francis Fitzgerald, which is a legally protected document, but yet it is in the newspapers this morning. Sergeant Morris McCabe was told there was no doubt his phone was tapped by Garda headquarters. Uh, McCabe said he was told by Superintendent David Taylor, the former head of the Garda press office, that it was likely his phone was being secretly listened to by senior Garda. The whistleblower also said Superintendent Taylor told him there was a number of intelligence files on him at Garda headquarters and he should look for them under disclosure. And that is the story that makes up the front page of the Irish Mail on Sunday. Cowardly campaign to ruin me is the headline. The protected disclosure of Morris McCabe revealed for the first time in today's Mail on Sunday, although it is in the Indo as well, alleges detailed effort by Angartha Siakona to destroy the sergeant in a cowardly and covert manner. The document submitted to Francis Fitzgerald last year is the heart of a controversy set to topple a Taoiseach and that almost triggered a general election. And uh, the Sunday World goes with the story that was in the courts during the week Victims' families say shock footage exposes full savagery of brutal axe murder slaying and some CCTV footage that looks quite distressing in the pictures there. So m- most of the headlines this morning uh, go to the Fine Gael leadership, but Fergus Finlay, really, <laughs> we have to look at what's causing all of this and the story that will long live past the heave if there is such a thing against Enda Kenny, and that is the McCabe scandal. And while a lot of what is in the papers this morning was known. There is more detail coming through now and it doesn't reduce the shock. It doesn't reduce the concern that we would have that such a thing might happen, nor does it answer really any of the questions that have already been posed. No, it makes the questions deeper, more serious, more urgent. Um, on its face, um, members of the Gardaí accumulated false information on Morris McCabe, uh, which constituted about as serious a set of allegations as it's possible to make against a person um, and use them to seek to destroy him. Um, That's what all of the timeline and all of the uh, detail uh, appears to suggest. So I think there is um, a very serious allegation of gather corruption at the heart of this scandal. Um, And I also think, as a citizen of Ireland, that there's nothing more frightening than the thought that we could be living in a country where Gardaí could be using made-up information to destroy the characters of individuals that they don't like. Um, Like, you know, I don't like to bandy phrases around like police state and so on, but if you are in a situation where, and it appears to be the case, a false and egregiously damaging file 
was willfully used uh, against a person's reputation. Um, and it, from the timeline set out in the Sunday Independent, it appears to have been in the possession of the Gardaí since about September 2014. The false file. Um, attempts were made, apparently, according to that timeline, to correct that file, but there's no evidence that the Gardaí ever chose to correct it. So at what level, we still don't know. By whom, we still don't know. But we desperately need to know. I don't think there is anything more serious in any of this. I mean, I think, you know, the stuff about Enda and Leo and Simon is in the tuppenny halfpenny place by comparison, uh, by by comparison to what's at the heart of this. Um, I mean, we've been here before. We were here in Donegal. We've been here in the past. I was myself involved in a case uh, with, uh, you know, working when I was working for Dick Spring involving a, a young man who was beaten within an inch of his life by Gardaí. And they went to every possible length uh, to cover that up at the time, although in the end they made a very substantial settlement with the person concerned. Um, so, you know, there's a culture um, involved here. Uh, and and culture, is, culture is a kind of a, a phrase that can sometimes be used to excuse individual failings. But there is... There is, there are definitely corrupt individuals involved in this, um, and they have done immense damage, um, and they have to be found out, and they have to be weeded out. We have to know who they are and why it was done. Mm. Uh, no. I, I mean, obviously, that's a very strong statement from Fergus, and and I suppose we all find ourselves having to say. But there are thousands of very good guards and we need a good guard of force in this country to protect us. One of the primary um, uh, sections of the Constitution is that the state is meant to protect its citizens and we, one of the ways we do that is our guard of force. And that's why this commission has to find where where the people who were doing this are allegedly but doing to, it. Goes, let's but go I, through some, I, I, I just want to go through it, some yeah. of the detail and come, yes, I, I'll let yeah, you come back yeah. in. Because th- this protected disclosure something we shouldn't have but it's in the newspaper so we, we know yes, the details. So where does it come from? Yeah. Superintendent Taylor this is David Taylor the former um, press officer told Sergeant McCabe that he had been instructed to send hundreds of text messages to guard the management of members of the media perpetrating the alleged smear campaign against the sergeant. A number this is from the Mail on Sunday by the way a number of separate intelligence files on Sergeant McCabe existed within the Garda hierarchy an officer in Garda headquarters was dedicated to oversee Sergeant McCabe's use in the Garda computer system Pulse Superintendent Taylor told Sergeant McCabe that he had spoken to a spiritual person two weeks before looking for forgiveness. Superintendent this week cleared of leaking information to a journalist was told by a colleague that if he slipped out and retired all the charges would go away. Well well, this is what Peter Charlton is going to have to you know tease through and find exactly where uh, the message came to Dave Taylor to send out this information to to get it. I mean apart from what Fergus has said here I also have huge concerns about how Tusla has handled Mm -hmm. this case and other cases. I mean why does it take months from the time a complaint is made even if eventually it is found not to be true to follow up and I have to be frank about it I, the whole political side of it has been led uh, led by Enda saying one story and then having to say mea culpa and I didn't, this didn't happen. I do have to worry about Minister Sapone, why she didn't immediately tell the Taoiseach the seriousness of the information she got at the meeting. I was Minister for Justice. If something really serious crossed my desk, I would pick up the phone and ring the Taoiseach and very often the Taunished as well to say, look, this is a really serious story this, and this it's going to get... 
but well, hang now, on. she will say she didn't do it. This she is a Taoiseach who has been dealing with this for the last six years. Well, I mean, has he? I mean, he says he didn't know anything about the detail of this. I, I don't know. I can't speak for the Taoiseach. But I can speak for the evidence we have that on the 25th of January, Catherine Sapone met with M- yeah, M- yeah. Morris McCabe and his, and his wife and then sort of vaguely said it's serious but what have you I, I, and I mean I, I Francis Fitzgerald got herself into trouble I know too I don't want to strange the politics we're going to come no, back to that yeah. in a little while but, but, but I mean you do have to look at what Tusla <coughs> has been doing with regard to complaints made about sexual abuse yeah. I, I worry that in some instances it took five, six, seven, nine months for the from the first file to be followed up yeah. that's an awful length of time to leave children at risk or to leave people under suspicion I come back to no Fergus suspicion. on this because obviously this is something you deal with but Eamon when you Eamon Delaney, when you've been going through the papers this morning, what has stood out for you on this particular topic? Uh, McCabe. Well, the phone tapping is a new uh, element, but it doesn't surprise. I I think what I would say does, I I agree with Fergus up to point, I think he's been very strong here and and agree with Nora, we have to be very careful with our guard force, we're very lucky. It's not essentially corrupt. Political opponents are not picked upon. I mean, we've had darker stuff in the, not not darker stuff or other dark stuff in the past. We had the heavy gang in the 70s. People have been beaten up in police stations uh, during the whole Northern thing. So I just think we need to step back. We know basically the trajectory here, the timeline of things. So I think let the commission uh, do its work. It's been set up. Uh, most people are happy with it. I think everybody's happy with it. Uh, there are many of us with concerns. It'll go on for too long. It'll be too expensive. But we're reassured those things won't generally happen. But I, I just think we need to maybe step back now. And although it's still stuff that we can explore ourselves, I, I think essentially the, the main the main details are there, and, and, there, and there's more to come. And it, it's it's probably right, as Fergus said, that he's not just. Uh, and isolated it's not just him and John Wilson and there are many others and it's a it's a closed culture but many of us have known that for some time it's, it, it goes to other stuff like I'm making a, maybe I'm making a leap here but there, there is a linkage to the moments going on strike recently uh, and the way in which the GRA is represented as not a trade union but it actually is uh, the lack of graduate recruitment the lack of uh, kind of facility, uh, the fact that a few years ago only half of Garda stations didn't have internet access. It's all linked to a police station or or a police force that's opaque, that has a closed culture. If someone steps out of line they're dissed and, 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 and if you go out of here But and unfortunately that, that happens in most professions if a doctor well, gets into I, trouble I think there's but there much was more an interesting letter in, other in the paper so, during no. the week and uh, somebody questioning where was AGSI or the GRA in this case helping Sergeant McCabe? He's well, one of their yeah. members. And you, you, that's something I'd love to know the answer to. Did they take the line that we don't want to touch this man, we don't want to be near him? I mean, the stuff seems to be so rife that it's hard to believe that his organisation that represented him didn't know what punishment he was going through and what was happening. And mm. I mean, it's clear that whistleblowing is still seen as something you don't do if you want to stay kind of in the promotional but that's line. That's not just and restricted to the guards, Nora. That's no, almost no, in every in culture. In every culture, yes. And I mean, if you see, you know, doctors close in on each other, I suppose politicians protect each other, different professions protect each other. But in this instance, what Morris McCabe and his family were going through 
what seems to have been known, I have to confess, I wasn't evolved enough to know all this at all. And it was only very recently I heard actually any reference to the sexual abuse and the programme, Katie Hannan's programme, shocked me to the core. But I'm not a minister anymore and I, I haven't any reason yeah. to the, be told The this. origins of the sexual abuse, it, it makes it much more uh, toxic. But the yes. origins do come from personal whistleblowing no agreements against yeah, him that wasn't invented by the guards you okay. Know. Okay. Um, okay Fergus going back to Tusla whatever about the guards and allegations that there is corruption and, and it needs to be weeded out I fear that Tusla is more about incompetence and, and failure to follow correct protocol than corruption I mean, how do we explain what happened in Tuscany? Their failure to, to to deal with these things properly, to remove mistakes from the system, and to keep people informed as to what's going on, and to cut and paste. Well, cut, the cut and paste thing is inexcusable. Um, and and to be fair to Tuscany, that happened in the HSE, not in Tuscany, but mm. but it trans- transferred itself into Tuscany. Um, I, I I mean, I th- if if we have to have trust in the guards, we also absolutely have to have trust mm. in the child protection system. If we can't trust the child protection system, uh, we, then we're in really, really serious trouble. Um, I, I, I mean, I think there is no doubt, and I suspect Tusla accepts this himself, that there are serious questions to answer about how this file managed to have a life. Um, how, when, uh, when an error was detected, an error of the most profound kind, that it wasn't expunged from it was expunged from one file, but then a whole series of others uh, were allowed to linger on and continue on and, and uh, eventually came uh, to Sergeant McCabe's attention because Tusla began eventually to investigate it. Now, uh, I find it shocking, but not surprising that Tusla is slow uh, because if you look at Tusla's own website, um, when they were set up, they had a backlog, a backlog of about 10,000 uninvestigated, yeah. unallocated files when they were set up, the day they were set up. Now, they're in business about two and a half years and they've got that backlog down by about 70%, but it's still about 4,000 files. Cases, yeah. Including up to 1,000 of what they describe as high-priority cases. Now, the, the thing I would say in Thusla's defence is that they published this data. It's on their website month after month after month, how they're doing in relation to, um, you know, uh, unallocated files. Um, and and I, I think one of the reasons they do it is by way of saying, if we had more resources, we could get to this faster. Uh, and people like me have been saying since the day they were set up, that they weren't set up with 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 enough resources to do the job and to get on top of uh, of the backlogs that are there. But none of that explains uh, how this appalling error was allowed to continue on mm. the file. Uh, and, and we do need to know answers. I, I had understood, uh, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to some of the newspapers for correcting me in this, I had understood that nobody except Tusla knew about this, that it was in a file within Tusla. But it now transpires that the guards have known about it since almost immediately. And left it to Tusla to deal with it. They, well, they left it to, to, to Tusla to investigate, which is correct, the correct thing to yes. do. Um, but that didn't stop them using the information to blacken a man's name, mm-hmm. um, even though they very quickly found out that the information but was false. But there's no evidence, Fergus, well, we hope there's no evidence that 
somebody in the guards went to somebody in the HSE which was then the, the, the organisation in charge and said will you create a false file to, to, to send people what after you, what, that? Well, according to, according to today's, according I mean, to today's newspapers the, the false file was thing. sent to the guards by a social worker in But it wasn't the guards who instigated yeah. it. Well it look the point mistake. the whole point is it stinks it yes, all it stinks. It stinks and that's why we have a tribunal but mm. before, before I move to this off the central point and we move to the politics of this I, I just wrote down on the literally on the back of a postage stamp next to me here all the reasons why we should be concerned today more about this than whatever happens next you mentioned the heavy gang Eamon mm. from the 70s let's talk about Kerry Babies and what we didn't mm. learn from yeah. that the Donegal thing which Nora and you, you're, Kelly, yeah. you're very familiar mm. with as well the O'Higgins Commission investigation that came out and found various levels of Garda failings and now we have this and we're going to have another inquiry and if nothing changed during all of them and we still had a culture that allowed this to happen, surely this is priority number one for this day going forward. And I fear it ain't going to be. Mm. Some changes have been made. It's 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 the, the depth of, of the culture in the Gardaí that I think people find the hardest to tackle. I mean, there have been changes in... I remember when I was there, we set up the kind of regional offices to try and bring the head office, as it were, down to closer to people people's lives and we set up the regions all around the country and that was seen as a very good thing because it put in senior guards you know in Kilkenny and Cork and Galway and all those but it's it's the kind of institutional history that people are worried about that if you're in there you do not step out of line and you make sure that if somebody steps out of line and Maurice McCabe clearly made complaints about penalty points he made complaints about the way cases were being handled in Cavan Monaghan and I think location Cavan Monaghan too needs to be examined because there seem to have been a lot of of, of very very tense well, relationships oh, 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 there, looked there. Into that, he did and he, and he found but you see the, the other problem that has arisen now about this commission and I see a few people have said I think Joan Burton has even said to, to go make case going slowly that Anything that arises in any of these commissions cannot be used by way of information to take a prosecution that the prosecutory services have to then start again and get the actual evidence of what was done wrong if they want to take a criminal case. And the law as it stands now is not, there aren't many immediate criminal actions that are immediately jumping out. So we have to wait for Peter Charlton, who's a very serious person to do this investigation. And I just hope that the people who are called in, see, they can take judicial reviews, they can slow up the mm. procedure, think, they can be yeah. sick, the lawyer can be sick. The whole yeah. thing. I mean, the way it's explained to me institutionally is that really the origins of the state in a civil war and then in latter years, uh, another civil war in the north has created incredibly conservative uh, security first policy. Security first in the sense that what the guards are, Department of Justice, which became a powerful department, yeah. as you well know, much more opaque and open now, says that, that there's a great nervousness that if you start uh, loosen, loosening the reins, then everything will, will unfold. So that's why whistleblowers come along and they're just troublemakers. They're vexatious and cranks yeah. and, and must be nobbled. And I was talking to someone the other day who's now in Justice for quite a senior position and was saying that well, the opportunity to reform a lot of this and the Guardi was a few years ago but there were a number of set twos. You may remember the Garda Reserve was nobbled yes, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that Michael McDool, who was a fairly activist justice minister, tried to take on the guards on many things. But they're a powerful force, mm-hmm. closed, opaque, 
we know best. We're on the beat. We're the bobbies. Uh, and, and the IRA are always an existential threat. this new thing that the Alliance has asked for uh, to get an outside policeman to come in. I mean, there was a very, very fine report prepared last year by the Garda, by Bob Olson's group. The Inspectorate. The Inspectorate. And um, with a lot of recommendations like, for the, change. Should we have the Policing Authority, so you, the Garda Inspectorate? So you do question what, what that's going we to serve. The one person mm. who survived all of this and is still sitting in an office in, in the Phoenix Park and will be sitting there next week and the week after that and the month after that is Noreen O'Sullivan. And, yes. and how tenable is that? I mean, Nor, you, well, you knew a lot of Garda commissioners I, I, in your day when yeah, you were working I in justice. Been, I, no, I, I didn't put too many. You, you, you only had them one or two. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, Pat, Patrick Culligan you know, reached retirement age when I was there and Pat Byrne was appointed and I was gone out of the office then and John O'Donoghue took over and, and the, Pat Byrne served his, his five or six, seven years, whatever it was, and then new one came. So there was no, we didn't lose any commissioners. <laughs> no, no, for board on your watch. <laughs> yeah. Fine, no, but Noreen but O'Sullivan. I mean, I mean, my my attitude has been all along that Noreen O'Sullivan is entitled to her 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 good name until proven otherwise, and that she should stay there. My worry about pushing her out is that. First of all, if she's pushed out now just before there's any actual allegations proven against her, she will never be back again. Mm. And then what do you do in the meantime? Mm. Do you do you appoint yeah. a temporary commissioner or do you make the deputy one of the deputy commissioners the head of the guards? So I think one has to be careful yeah. about the right of justice it's, and it's, the right of your innocence yeah, on like proven guilty. Foster. It's the same there. Yes, well, it should, is. Very much yeah. Why should she step aside? What's the, you yeah. know, and then step back in when it's okay. Now, I know yeah. it may become awkward as time goes on and as Peter Charles and starts his work in public uh, there may come a moment in the future where Noreen O'Sullivan if, may have if to she step do, aside. If she does step aside uh, and, and I imagine she must be under the most intense personal pressure at the moment if she does step aside does that ultimately come to be seen as another victory for the old boys network in the guards? Who, with whom is she going to be replaced? By whom is she going to be replaced? Will within a couple of weeks of her being replaced all sorts of questions suddenly descend on the head of her successor, whoever yes. that successor is? And who'd I want mean, that job? And yes. who'd want that job? Okay. I, I mean, it, it, it seems to me to make a certain amount of sense, I have to say, that she be found guilty or innocent by the court of public opinion in front of a tribunal. Yeah. She's going to be asked really searching questions. She's mm. going to have to account for her stewardship. She's going to be capable of being cross-examined um, uh, and, and it's going to be okay. really intense. Jonathan Healy on the Sunday show and on the panel, Fergus Finlay, Nora Owen and Eamon Delaney. Eamon, I'll go to you first of all on, on Fine Gael and look, we have the opinion poll, I suppose, is probably the first thing to, to look at and, and this is going to sharpen their focus as, as they decide to sharpen their knives for Ender. Mm. There's such a gulf between themselves and Fianna Fáil. Yeah, I, 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 the opinion poll is a reason why Ender's position should be questioned and maybe he should step aside. I have to say, Jonathan, on all other levels, I would cons- consider it really uh, strange that at a time of Brexit, of um, huge challenges to the economy and to the country and public sector pay demands, um, the health crisis, which we saw some horrendous revelations about recently, the back the back up there, that this is the time to change a seasoned veteran Taoiseach leader. So you uh, think he should stay? I think he should stay. And I think the Gosh. two young buckos who are have been mad to, Leo in particular, to get into the seat for some time should just bide their time. But um, as Fergus said earlier to us, uh, the thought is I can't remember the phrase used uh, Wish his father to wish the thought Wish his father to the thought There's a momentum going uh, There's a media bubble around the Fine Gael contenders and it's it's irreversible and 
granted what happened last week was terrible the Taoiseach making up stuff and all that but you know one would worry as a citizen of this country I'm not interested in the personality contest the pageant of the Fine Gael leadership uh, but you open by mentioning the opinion poll the numbers are down Fianna Fáil are resurgent and I guess the troops do want a, a change but we may regret it yet um, Fergus I, I said earlier to you uh, in, in the green room that you know he who wields the knife very often doesn't wear the crown and and, and Leo seems to be the man with the, the, the knife out first here well, well, that's what the media are saying. I haven't actually seen. <laughs> oh, don't go all Trump on me now. The no. media, it's the media now. The media. Well, I mean, I haven't actually seen him with a dagger in his hand. Um, <laughs> well, did you uh, see the statement last night that he came out saying, you know, please you should focus your mind and what was the exact? Quote I, I doubt if that was a statement. No, uh, I suspect very much that was a doorstop and, at a wedding. Uh, at a wedding and. <laughs> God only knows. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, someone is just suggesting. On, look, uh, there is a, the blue the, wedding as opposed to the red wedding in Game of Thrones. There is, uh, without wishing to criticise the media in any way, which of course I never would. Um, there is a bit of a final frenzy going on, isn't there? Uh, about end of us go and is it Leo? Is it Simon? I mean, it's the sort of beauty contest that the media just adores, um, and uh, we're going to get this for a, for a week or more. I mean, ten days ago. Um, this wasn't an issue. Enda Kenny was, you know, it was going to come to an end sooner or later uh, and so on. And suddenly um, it is now an issue. And Enda is accused of telling porkies and all that kind of thing. My my own view is that uh, his big mistake was that he did not take this story seriously enough. Mm. He saw it as just another scandal, uh, you know, that as has to be dealt with. As I said, with. he's I mean, been dealing with it for six years. He may it, not have seen the significance it, and, of what was and, coming. Well, I, I, I think from the beginning, he has failed to see the significance of what is going on here. Um, and I, I suspect he's known at some level about the stuff that's going on with the Gardaí, but has chosen not to kind of take it as seriously as he takes other stuff. And I, and I think that, that was a fundamental error. We're now in a situation. I mean, I, it always m- makes me smile in a way because Fine Gael is the party of gentlemen, uh, and they've always held Gentle themselves ladies, up. And yeah. oh, they've always <laughs> held themselves up. As being, careful, careful now, no, Fergus. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Fine Gael is the party of gentlemen and ladies, yes. um, they, they, uh, and they've always held themselves up that way. But their leadership heaves are always the messiest, yes. always the most prolonged, always the bloodiest. They, they, they always end up with people hating each other's guts. And and do you remember the and series? Carrying, of, do you remember the series a couple of years ago about? Uh, the, the 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 story of Fine Gael and so on, where everybody spent their entire three three episodes, I think, getting grudges off their chest right. that, yes, that they'd yeah, harboured the for years and years yes, and years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and probably the same thing is going to happen here. Um, other, it, other parties do it cleaner. Fine Gael is like to be fair, yeah. Fianna Fáil when they do this, they are cutthroat. Think of the time it's Albert. Clinical. It's yes. clinical. Yes, the time yeah. Albert yeah. took out high. It's just like you know. Yeah. To be fair, well, Michael Martin, Brian Cowan, that was fairly straightforward yeah, as well. well. Fine Gael, Jesus, he loved drama. Well, they they tend to slow. Remember what happened in the last week. The catalyst. Two things happened at the one time. Enda made it clear back when he became Taoiseach he would not lead the party into the next election that was fine it was parked and everybody knew that and then suddenly an election looked as if it was about to happen and my God he's still there he said he's not Mm. going to lead it Mm. in so the bringing together of the kind of crisis that happened meant that his statement that he wouldn't lead the party and you hear most of the spokespeople when they're trying to get out of a corner when the media are pushing them they'll say well he said he wasn't going to lead I actually think there was probably a general belief in Fine Gael 
that, that, uh, that the Taoiseach's swan song would be the papal visit whenever yes. the papal yes, visit yes. Well, that was suggested widely and, uh, yes and, and, and that he'd, he'd got an agreement with Fianna Fáil that there would be three budgets we've only had two so he was looking at a budget in October of 2017 Pope visit happily into the sunset with the blessings of the Pope and he'll only be there as an altar and, server the way and, he's going and, and so but the, but the kind of horror of people I mean remember each of these TDs are looking at their job as well and saying it's going to go and I think there is a certain amount of, of in what you said Jonathan that the person who wields the knife but remember also what's happening there's a whole lot of backbenchers there whose names are relatively new to people who are now trying to say put their hand up and say Oi, I'm here don't forget that I'm mm. here um, and and I was quite angry with our own local TD Alan Farrell for making the statement he made There was there's no need for that really because the, the process is moving along Well I, go, I, I let me quote Noel Rock who um, is, is a great yes. man for a press release and uh, was one yes, of the first out we of the blocks can't this avoid week. a microphone The yes. Taoiseach is our leader he has done a good job so it's going very well for Enda so far yeah. uh, and I wish him well and here's where it starts going wrong for the Taoiseach but the simple reality is we need to prepare for the next election be it weeks or months away so yeah. what he's effectively doing is telling Enda Kenny go off into the yeah. swamp well, you see they all were looking yeah. into the face of an election and suddenly saying my seat is gone they're also putting their hands up self-preservation surely the that's not the motivation of politicians uh, don't forget when yeah. you're changing your but ministries but this is where I think Fine Gael are in here. serious denial because mm-hmm. you see they seem to think that Enda is the problem and there was the last election and a narrative mm-hmm. has developed and, and as usual with media cabin yeah. fever we all talked to each other so the recovery slogan was wrong and what he said yeah. in Castle Bar was wrong about the whingers when in fact actually I would feel many others would, would agree that you he would have f- called them whingers too I, I, well, well I did <laughs> I, I wrote a piece for the mail saying they were whingers well because I think in his hometown there are there's a very vocal <laughs> anti end so I yes, thought in yeah. that he was fair he yeah. was right but that's just me maybe but I think he fought an okay election I think the rest of the party didn't and I mean if you look across some of these young Turks yeah. uh, where were they on TV when they were getting hammered by Fianna Fáil when they let Fianna Fáil slip back in I mean a number of things happened of course the Shinners put all their fire on the Labour Party rather meanly and selfishly to try and destroy it as a political rival so Fianna Fáil came up the middle and Fianna Gael they got decimated in many ways they got all the seats so they seem to think that if they change to either Lee or Simon yeah. neither of whom have a big vision about Irish society mm-hmm. and where the country is going neither seem to have you know Simon who presided over uh, the kicking down the, the can down the road on Irish water which was uh, incredibly popular but a Fianna Fáil thing by the way the water charges he went along with it Leo who didn't sort out health yeah. who invades in a bit of populism so I don't see how the Fianna Gael think this is the panacea well, I would have thought let Enda go again yeah they hope that it is the panacea the problem is I mean this is I shouldn't say this but like oh, please whoever do. I, wins I, I, love this, what, I love when somebody says that if, go if, on if whoever <laughs> wins this, this election uh, as leader which at this stage now I think we're looking four to five weeks I've looked at the rules in the party and there's a 20 day gap so if Enda gets to do the shamrock on the 17th of March you should look maybe four weeks beyond that to allow the, the members and the councillors to have their say as well because if they try to push that out of the line then the new leader I, is I, absolutely in I bad I thought way. you were going to say the new and leader will be the Thornister to be Hall Martin I was expecting yeah, something no, much more interesting I, I, What I was going to say was that the new leader doesn't necessarily bring the gains to the party when the election comes in the next 18 Mm. months and therefore their term might be short lived so the winner this time could be actually ultimately the loser and the person who doesn't win could be the person sitting Michael Noonan took over the leadership a year and a half before an election and then we had a disastrous election and Michael resigned because we lost 13, 19 seats or whatever it was so I'm just saying that there's Mm. a lot of history there to Mm. show that unless you're 
going to be able to bring the extra seats in. Fianna Fáil are sitting at the moment waiting till they mm. think they can get well, six and, and seats. And that's and what I want to talk to Fergus about because you, you look at the numbers here and, and Fianna Fáil say it's not really about the polls. It's about the constituencies where we can win two seats and it's about how many we can get in there. And the man who's relatively sat this out over the course of the last week or so has been Michal Martin because he didn't have to do anything because it's all coming down around Fine Gael's ears and he's able to sit this out. He's on 44%. A man who sat in the cabinet meeting of the Fianna Fáil government that brought this country to its knees has a 44% satisfaction rating in this opinion poll ahead of everybody else. Well, I, can I say two things, Jonathan? First of all, I think there's a very interesting study to be written about, um, about Michal Martin and about... Um, somebody who I think has learned um, that there is a difference between the influence you can wield and the power you have to have. Um, uh, And he has been, over the last few weeks, a highly influential figure. Um, Essentially deciding the course of events, there would have been an election if there hadn't been a tribunal. The the tribunal had to be uh, the, the terms of reference had to satisfy him and so on. So he's somebody who has chosen um, to exercise influence rather than to seek power at the moment. And I think that's a really interesting um, thing. But the second thing is that we're discussing this as if politics wasn't changing. Uh, you know, traditional forms of party political representation and who leads what and how people are chosen and so on matter less and less and less by the day in the world we live in. Uh, you know, you want to talk about Trump later, you can talk about France, you can talk about Germany, you can talk about Britain. Um, uh, you can, you, you know, the traditional forms of representative politics that we're used to and the things that we still debate, you know, aren't going to matter very much. Like whoever inherits Fine Gael from Enda Kenny is going to inherit a political landscape which is changing by the hour. Methods of political communication, uh, you know, ways of influencing people, uh, ways of encouraging people to follow you, uh, and and so on. But, um, Fergus, I mean, still the stats, as for Jonathan just said, Fianna Fáil are back, and Michal Martin is back. So I, I agree with you, things are fluid and changing, mm-hmm. but it's amazing how durable they are. It's still Fianna Fáil, Fine yeah. Gael, the Labour Party, but and Fine Gael yeah. was in I, such I mean, a mess that it made Fianna Fáil look better, and they are uh, holding I, the I government. I think the likelihood yeah. is that the next Doyle will be a bit like this Doyle. Um, uh, it will be elected by about half the people with the other half of the mm. people opting out. It will have very strong anti-authoritarian, uh, um, some nihilistic elements in it, uh, you know, um, so-called independents that really are, you, you wouldn't know what they are a lot of mm. the time. Um, uh, and, and I think, the, you know, I think our our politics have been pretty chaotic for the last couple of years. Mm. Um, we've, we've somehow or other, I think sometimes miraculously, managed to muddle through um, uh, a situation where um, government and parliament have a relationship unlike nothing I've ever seen before. Maybe that's healthy, maybe it isn't, I don't know. I don't know how sustainable it is in the mm-hmm. long term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're heading into a, an era now where a very detailed, thorough negotiation has to happen around Brexit. We're, like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. on the hazard, you yeah. know, on the and hazard more than most. Party I, but you know, I, I mentioned party, yeah. earlier on how the McCabe story is, is, is one that's going to be written in the history books, but there is also a case for Brexit being 
pushed back up the agenda well above, well above what's happening in Fine Gael and government and indeed oh, yeah. the Dáil. And then Tom McGurk is writing, Eamon, today that, that Enda Kenny's experience in Europe uh, is invaluable and he should stay around, at least for the initial negotiations when Theresa May triggers Article mm. 50. Well, that, that's what I said to you earlier. That's that one, of the, one of the great merits of Enda Kenny staying on, that things are so serious with Brexit and so serious for the country, the whole country, the whole island, you know. Tom's piece is a little puzzling though because he doesn't really develop uh, more about Enda and that, that access and, and, and expertise in his piece. It's more mm-hmm. about what Tom has said consistently and in cre- credit to him in being bravely putting out, he's almost our exit. He's almost, we should follow the British out the door and that for someone who has hitherto been a very strong Republican as Tom was and many others I think he just feels the whole it's exposed us as an island and as a country in terms of our sovereignty because we're actually so dependent on the UK that despite all our decades of creating this sovereignty and independence we realise that you know, they which, we couldn't have done without, which we couldn't have done without Europe. Yes. No, we, yeah. couldn't, well, that, we, couldn't, we oh, couldn't have stuck out on our own totally, without Europe. Totally, but, but I agree. But that's, uh, that's what we need to focus on, both elements, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the difficulties has been is that the vote was passed in the UK last year and then there's been this big hiatus until March the 30th or whatever day, Theresa May does the Article 50. So there's, And everybody said, well, you can't negotiate anything, you can't do anything on then. I've heard from people that... In, in Brussels there is Barnier and, and there's a group around but that there's nothing really seriously happening mm. until this Article 50 and that's a flaw in the in the system. It is. And, yeah. and, and, and what do we do? We send other... over a new Taoiseach. Yes. Yes. What a yeah. wonderful way to deal with it. A very Irish way uh, to deal with the well, crisis. Well each of the ministers now are dealing with their own area yeah. but but there's an awful lot they can't do. They can't actually yeah, say uh, yeah, yeah. Richard Bruton can't come over and say I demand this or that. I mean the students thousands Thousands of students go from this country to the UK to get their third level education. Mm. What? Where do they stand? Yeah, These yeah. are the kind of questions I'm asked. Ha- Will I get my social welfare pension okay. from the UK because I, I worked there? I have know? to go to a break because we could spend up 20 minutes getting frustrated and talking about that. We'll know all about it after March 30 when Theresa May tells us the latest part of the jigsaw. If it was a thousand piece jigsaw, I think we've got the first five pieces so far from Theresa May. And, and anyway, not we, the edge pieces. And not either. the edge piece, not the bits in the middle. We just found a couple of yes. colours that are the same. And let's talk about Trump. You mentioned this rally he was at last night earlier Nora where he, he stood in an airport hangar I saw something you don't know what to believe anymore whether this was Does true Does he not the know the election's over had he's to, actually now the in people charge. had to be paid or were offered money to come to the anyway let's listen to a bit of the Bowel Donald Here's the bottom line we've got to keep our country safe you look at what's happening in Germany you look at what's happening last night in Sweden Sweden Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. The the great thing is nothing (laughs) happened in Sweden at all. Apparently there there had been a Fox News program about risks that Sweden faced because it had admitted so many immigrants. uh, and, And Donald had been watching that. Yes, th- yeah, that's yeah. what ha- so that a TV program happened. His attention span is is like a gnat, you know. It's kind of pop down on something, get a story, and go out. I mean, these big rallies. I mean, I know Obama did what they call town hall meetings, but that was well into his presidency. Uh, um, Trump seems to forget he's actually now elected and he's in charge. And the Flynn uh, resignation or the firing or whatever yeah. word, whichever word you want to add to it is very damaging to him because it would look as if there's more to it. And of course, like an awful lot of political stories, what looks like a very 
slow nothing very much and the next thing there's somebody else caught up in it and somebody else caught up in it and this could go right to the top with, We had, with, we had the Trump. story during the week uh, that, that was completely dismissed by the White House that one of the things that Homeland Security were thinking of doing was mobilising the National Guard to and I quote round up immigrants in the southern states mm. now they were at pains aiming to say well they, they, you know you say a lot of things in the heat mm. of forming a government but like surely that rings very loud alarm bells but, but see, is it true? I, I, I mean, it, it does. It's appalling, you know, but I, I just, it's so manipulated now and it's meeting itself coming back, if, if you know, like, it's almost, they would put out that so that he could deny it and then he could say that my detractors are saying that. It's just, it's so He's hard. He's creating the fake news narrative. Yeah, oh, totally, it, totally, I, I think yeah. that might be an element behind that. Oh, well, yeah. it is. And, 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 so you just have to look at the things that are true. I mean, the, like, uh, finally, the circus, people are beginning to distance themselves from it in the Republican establishment and, and in the military establishment. So this... Chap well, who turned down the, the chance to be—that's quite significant. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's National on the, now he's on the yeah. board of Lockheed. He's making a lot of money, but he's four-star. He was a Navy Seal. He, had a he look just and like didn't I like what he saw. Yeah, yes, and yeah, Pence yeah. has been hung out to dry. Yeah. So, and uh, everybody has a cupboard, you know. It is. Like so, he's afraid what might fall out of his yeah, cupboard. So just, and, well, like everything well, else in Donald Trump's life, his cupboard is probably a lot bigger, and there's a lot more inside. Yes, like yeah, the thing yeah. is, how can this sustain itself for four years? That's everybody's question. Yes, and Melanie, Melanie, Melanie appeared yesterday, looking miserable, and she's <laughs> locked up in Trump Towers by her own wish. So, I mean, just have to. I mean, I. I, I it does. It is irritating that people think it's all funny. And I saw John Snow from Channel Four saying, "This is another great day." He means for energy and news as a journalist. Mm. Of course, he can say that. But it is serious that something like, say, the Palestinian-Israeli thing, where he just decides to throw it all out the window, as if it wasn't bad enough. I mean, we're looking at a possible, definitely, yeah. almost certainly, a kind of conflict there in the future with Hamas and with Israel. And so, stuff is kind of alarming, you know. I mean, but he's rowing back on stuff now. NATO is okay, and so long as we, you but guys no, pay your but way. That's and just the... back to the point that we all knew before the election he was nuts. And it, it's it's as if the American people, having voted for him, are only realizing this now in smaller increments. I'll grant you, but the numbers who are willing to back him to the hilt, Fergus, appear to be a lot fewer than were standing beside him in er- in, in early November last year. I don't know if that's the case. I, I honestly don't know if that's the case. I know people in the states who think he is absolutely fantastic, mm. that he's taken it, he's sucking it to the media, uh, that he's telling it like it is. Uh, I mean, the the depth of support, it may, whatever the breadth of support, the depth of support for his narrative about fake news and all that, I, I think it's probably deeper than we think. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an avid reader of The Washington Post and, and The New York Times, and my sense is that he is beginning to tame them. I mean, he gave this quite deranged and incoherent press conference the other day um, went on for an hour and a quarter or something and the main commentary in the New York Times was that he'd made a success of appealing to his base there was no real sense of what the hell is going on here um, and, and, and I think that the media in the States are beginning to be a little bit worn down, worn down. now there's no, I hope they will come back. I hope that they will dig and they'll find and they'll investigate. And I hope that the, you know, the checks and balances in the US system, which we've tended to mock and laugh at mm. over the years and so on, are actually really, really strong. And, and I, they're the thing that the rest of the world is kind of depending on now, because what you're looking at isn't funny. What you're looking at is, isn't, I mean, it, we're looking at a kind of a worldwide 
horror show yeah. being played out on television day as after day. As if it's a reality day. show. Yeah. Which is going to lead to people dying Trump and emerged, wars. And the swamp which he came from. And we have to leave it there. Fergus Finlay of Bernard's Nora Owen, uh, former Minister for Justice, and Eamon Delaney, a founder of the Hibernia Forum. You have a big gig coming up this week. Have you yeah, on Thursday we have an event on Brexit and Trump oh. and the implications for Ireland economically. So uh, two together, <laughs> yeah. We've got. Uh, I know it's a, well. It's a, it's an all day event. It's in Connect Ireland offices. Um, Bertie Hearn is coming to talk to us about Brexit because he on that he has very interesting views. Lucinda Crichton, who's now a consultant, no longer a politician. Uh, a lot of diplomats uh, former Irish diplomats so it'll be very interesting Good yeah. stuff. Look, okay, have you had you. an interesting plan Nora Ferguson is just, I'd no, probably no, go to no. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds <laughs> like an interesting gig all that. Well, it's, like, on, did you say it's, a, it's in 14 St Stephen's Screens Connect Ireland uh, yeah. Terry Clune tax back and connect has given us his I, office I gave him a big yeah. enough yeah. plug for it already <laughs> would you stop giving more on top and they have to pay <laughs> <laughs> thank you all very much